Welcome back. I'm Camille with Heal with Camille podcast. I can't tell you how many times couples will come into my office and they will sit and fight in front of me. Now, that's kind of what we're supposed to do, right? I mean, I am going to counsel them and they're going to go through, they go through, but I will do, okay, time out. You guys can do this at home. Um, I don't want a referee. What I want to find out is what you're really, really both upset about. So slow down. And then I'll ask them, what is the concern? What's this upset? And most of the time, couples have a routine fight. Like they fight over the same thing over and over and over again. Agnosium, right? And usually that is a simple thing to fix, believe it or not. It's like years in the making, I know, with some couples, they fight over the same thing over and over. But the simple way to fix it is to really pull back and, and ask each individual, look, what if this upset, what if this disagreement, what if this thing you're fighting with your spouse over is something you brought with you into this relationship? What if this was going on well before you met this person? Because, and usually you have to drill down, like, what is the upset about? Is it about um, how they spend money, how they don't save money? Is it about some sort of um, neglectful treatment? Like, you don't listen to me. You're not listening to me. Or you're judging me. Or it's usually, but again, this is something that is your thing. It's your trigger. It's your button. And you came into this relationship probably having had this happen prior to the relationship. And so you're reliving your past stuff. And then you're expecting that similar treatment, that button to get pushed. And when that button gets pushed in everybody, we all got a button, right? When, when that button gets triggered, then you treat that person like the originator of the argument or the originator of the judgment or the originator of the problem. So for example, if your parents or your mother never listened to you, she just would ignore you or it was all about her. So, you know, you couldn't ever get a word in edgewise or it was never empathy, no compassion. You might not feel heard or understood and you might feel like your partner always, like there's this always happens to me. That's kind of the, the lingo. This is always happening. He never or she never, whatever that thing is that they never help you with or they never do for you or they always this or they always that. That's something from your past before your relationship. And we know that because I know that because it is something that you have it a certain way. You know, it's exactly this way and it's always been that way. And it's always going to be that way. Now that's tricky, but once you start taking responsibility for your side of it, I say to clients, why is this a good idea? Why do you need to see your spouse as someone who's hurting you or they're not listening to you? Who are they reminding you of? Now, when you make a, a person stop and look at what this routine fight is reminding them of, it's definitely a trigger and you can start seeing that it's happened before and you brought this in. And so you're going to get your spouse to treat you the same way as someone from your past treated you that you didn't like. And then you get around the same story that you're the victim of that or this person's mean to you or however you run it, right? And that keeps you safe. I know that sounds weird, but it keeps you safe because it's the devil you know. It, you know how to deal with that. You know how to handle that. And this is a routine for you. This is a pattern for you because you're living on autopilot. You're not really present with your relationship. You're not present in your own mind. You're not present with yourself. So when I sit with couples, I really try to identify what is this routine pattern, this routine fight that they have. Uh, because it is something that is really painful and it has nothing to do usually with the current relationship. It's all about your past incompletion that you haven't resolved, you haven't dealt with, and you're superimposing that past trauma onto the present time person, taking it out on them. What if it were that simple? What if you could actually look and say, okay, I'm upset about this. You know, maybe you are overreacting in the moment for because you think it's, it's really a big deal and maybe it's an overreaction. 
Overreactions are a sign that this is usually something from your past. When you have high emotion, high feelings, you know, you're just, you're animated. That's an emotion and emotions are tied to memories. Okay. If you're in the moment, you're right here in the moment, you're present, then you're going to have a sensation, not necessarily an emotion. You'll have a sensation. You will experience sadness. You'll experience joy. You'll experience some something right here, right now. You'll feel something now, but it won't occur like a memory and an emotion from a memory. It is direct sensation, a direct experience. You know you're in a direct experience when you're feeling it newly. It isn't a repeat thing from the past. It's not got a story attached to it. So the secret sauce for all relationships is experiencing newly each other right here, right now. And I'll sit there and I'll, I'll have you know, my clients face each other. I'll turn their chairs toward facing each other, open body position, no crossed hands, no crossed legs. And so they're literally facing each other. And I'll say eye contact, be with each other. And then I'll say no talking, silence. Well, they'll giggle, they'll laugh, they'll be uncomfortable, or they'll, you know, have a grudge face, or they'll be embarrassed. You know, this is their partner, this is their person, right? And they used to love this. Like when you first fall in love, when you're first meeting somebody, you can't wait to have their gaze upon you. You can't wait to look into their eyes. You can't wait to experience them because you're present. You're right here right now with that person. That's a new experience. You're, you're having a sensation. It is not from memory, this emotional stuff, this feeling. It's not from memory. It is from sensing it right now. That's where magic is. And when you can get a person, when I can get people to get present again with each other, magic sparks again. But we live our life from our story. We live our life from our opinion. We live our life from the past. So when I have couples face each other, eye contact. And the, the mind's just going. You know, it's like the mind's just, you know, reminded of everything. And he said, and she did, and that. It's all this stuff. And I just say, thank it for sharing. And just continue to be in the moment. Eye contact. And you can tell when people are connected, when they're really looking at each other and there is kind of an electricity between them. You can see there's a chemistry. You can see that there's a connection. But if they're in, you know, if they're talking to themselves or they're, you know, not really gazing, you can tell they're in their own head again, which again, that's not being present. That's being absent. They're physically here. They're not mentally here, though. They're not emotionally here. They're not connected. You know, kids know this. It's, it's amazing how a little kid will be like, you know, mom, mom or dad, dad. And they're like, I'm right here, honey. What's, I'm right here. No, you're not. You're in your phone or you're focused on something you're watching or you're talking to yourself. You're not actually present. What kids are is they are alive. They are curious. They are present. They're all here. They really don't have a lot of memory to go to. So they're completely present and they want your eye contact. They want your energy. They want your attention, which is in my, uh, my lingo is they want your spiritual connection. We spend our spirit. Your, your attention is your spirit when you're willing to be right here right now and be vulnerable and connect. Look, we can always hide out in our heads. Everyone's hiding out in their phones now, right? So nobody's really doing any eye contact or literally loving each other with your whole face and you're you know, loving and listening with your eyes and your ears. Like this is what it means to be in the moment. So I turn my clients toward each other. I say eye contact face to face and it's almost like when you just let that person get over the uncomfortableness for the moment, I say, what's really there? What's the emotion that, you know, you feel, what are you sensing when you're tuning into this person in, into this? Like you think, you know, them, right? You remember who they are from some sort of past, your past memories with them, but what is it you're not hearing? What is it you're not feeling? What is it you're not paying attention to? 
And most times it brings tears. Most times it brings a real conversation, the real truth about what someone's going through they haven't really shared or they're embarrassed to say or they're angry about something. They didn't ever, they never dare talk about it. So that's what I try and get couples to do is let go of this routine distraction fight. Okay. Again, it, it's an automatic way of being. It's posturing. It's how we avoid real intimacy. You see, intimacy is intimacy. You see. So we avoid all that stuff because we can just keep this fight going. And it's predictable. I say this, they say that. I do this, they do that. We know exactly how to push each other's buttons, but it really isn't real. It's not legitimate. It's a way to distract from true intimacy and having a real conversation. And people, I think, and people say, why do they do that? Why, why do people distract each other or try and just keep the fight going to avoid that connection? Uh, there, there's usually stuff that maybe you're embarrassed about, or maybe you've got a withhold. You've got some sort of secret. I think secrets build a wall between people. You know, if you've got something you can't share, then you've got one less thing to talk about and you're uncomfortable. You know, I always say, how comfortable is a whore in church, right? So basically the, the premise is that person's not going to be comfortable. You know, they're going to get found out. They're, un- they're embarrassed. They've got some sort of shame they don't want people th- to know about, right? So, you know, if, if there's something going on that you don't want to share with your partner, even if you're embarrassed about something, maybe somebody hit on you at work and you don't want to tell your husband or your wife, you know, because it's going to cause a fight. But that kind of stuff is, is like a, another brick between you. It's like it, it builds a wall. And so you're not really able to be intimate. So when I get people starting to talk again and really share again, I I try to get each person to really come clean with whatever they've been withholding, whatever they haven't wanted to share or talk about. And it's amazing when you're present, not upset or running out the door or busy, when you're actually choosing a moment to have a real conversation, you're going to go deep and you're going to just say what's there and be honest and authentic. When that authenticity shows up, okay, that's when people really fall in love again. That's when there's really an understanding of each other. And, you know, there there might be some formal requests or or some formal um, terms that get set. Like, I'm not going to live without sex. You know, I need to have a partner that I have intimacy with. And, you know, that sex is a big deal between couples, right? It's the one thing that you do with your partner that you don't do with anybody else. You know, predictably, like that's how it's supposed to be, right? So when you've got one person withholding affection or withholding sex, for whatever reason, it can create a, a resentment, a grudge. People start holding grudges against each other. And even if there's a sickness or there's something going on with body parts, you know, or cancerous or something, there's got to still be some intimate time. There's got to still be some sexual play or some sexual, there's got to be a conversation at least about sex. So uh, this is the person that you're sharing your body with and you don't get to do that with anybody else. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to eat and they don't get to eat, you're going to feel like you're starving, right? So sex is always a topic with couples when I meet with them. And, you know, in the beginning, usually sex is great. You know, they have no problem with it and it's fun and it's spontaneous and, you know, it's hot, you know. And then something goes on. We've got three or four kids and the kids are in the house. I can't do it when kids are in the house. I can't be noisier. I mean, there's just something that goes on and people just start getting an avoidance to being having intimacy, having sexual contact because of some reason. But if you don't talk about that, there's a lot of people that take things personal. So it's hard not to feel like, oh, I've gained a few pounds. I had a few babies. Maybe he doesn't find me as attractive. Or so we personalize stuff. Um, usually women reject men more, right? Men are more you know, prone to ask for sex. And when they feel rejected all the time, they don't know if they're doing something wrong or if they don't, you know, they don't like him anymore. What do I stink or something? I mean, something's wrong. So there's a lot of things I've heard couples talk about. And it's just not true. Like 
again, a lot of men feel rejected. They get turned down a lot. So, and we women take that for granted. 